0: .NET Rocks episode 874 with guest Michelle Larubo-Stamante, recorded live Thursday, May 16th, 2013. This episode is brought to you by Teller, offering the best in developer tools and support. And by Franklin's.net. Makers of Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And by Diatom, developers of the .NET Rocks mobile app, available now for Windows Phone, iPhone, and Android phones. And now, here are Carl and Richard.
1: Thank you very much. Welcome back to .new Rocks. Carl, it's Richard and Michelle's here. We're gonna have a good time this hour. Hey Richard, what's up? Uh,
0: we're going to TechEd. Yeah, we are. And we're doing Speaker Idol again. That's right. And I got and we have ten contestants booked for Speaker Idol already. So, you know, normally we do three heats of four, and that's twelve contestants total. So I've got I've left two spots free for wild cards. Awesome. Yeah, so we can have some wild cards in. I'll tell you another piece of news that's going to surprise you. Okay. We have four women contestants. Wow. Very cool. That's the most we've ever had. That's great. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. So if you're coming to TechEd, A, come and see us at the digital wall. We're doing Speaker Idol. And B, if you want to be a speaker at TechEd, just come down on the first day, on Monday, let me know you want to take one of those wildcard slots, and we will put you into the contest.
1: That's right. We'll be hanging around there uh, probably the whole time. For
0: sure. And I'm really excited about this. I think it's going to be a riot.
1: And uh, we're also doing uh, Dev Intersection and Angle Brackets. Angle Brackets is Scott Hanselman's mm-hmm. web-oriented uh, conference, When they're working in concert together in Las Vegas this fall at uh, – what's the date, Richard? Uh, It's October 27th to the 30th at the MGM Grand. And you can get a discount if you go to devintersection.com and sign up with the code word rocks
0: D-O-T-N-E-T-R-O-C-K-S, and you'll get a a discount there. And not only that, if you sign up for both a pre-con or a post-con and the main conference, you will get a Surface or a Nexus 7 while you're there. Ooh, ah, Nice. Ooh, more gadgets, because we all need more gadgets. You know what I found? People want more tablets. That's cool. It doesn't matter if you already have a tablet, you want another tablet. You can't have too many tablets.
1: And I love the fact that we're the people that give them away to people. I like that. I like being the giver. <laughs> you like being that guy? Yeah. All right. Well, let's start with uh, Better Know Framework. Awesome. What do you got, buddy? I got a headache from that music. Oi! Uh, what? <laughs> Yeah, what's up with that musician? I don't know if you heard about this, but the Code Project did this uh, contest, in there, it's still going on, the Windows Azure Developer Challenge. And uh, the idea is that this is actually five challenges each two weeks long that, when combined, will result in a web application hosted on Azure that uses Azure data services, virtual machines, and provides a great mobile experience. And so this guy, Florian Rappel, created an Azure based web statistic creator and data crawler and you can check out his entry at tinyurl.com slash web state. It uses MVC4, Web API, Windows SQL, SQL Azure, MongoDB, and runs on any device. And and I just thought it was cool because he outlines, you know, how he did everything. Nice. And uh and and what his challenges were so I really like that cool. uh, it's a great way to sort of peer inside the mind of a developer trying to get everything to work
0: yeah, working inside of Azure it's not just about the the whole statistics part of this, it's just the operating within the environment of Azure
1: yeah, I also like the fact that MongoDB is in there, you know oh neat for the crawler part of it but anyway, that's at tinyurl.com slash webstate check it out, know it, learn it, love it Richard, who's talking to us?
0: Hey, I grabbed a comment off of show 863, and that's the one we did with Dominic Beyer talking about security in 4.5. And this comment comes from uh, Peter Soa, who has been a listener to the show since forever. I mm-hmm. think he's been, we've gotten emails from him over the years, but this is such a good comment. I had to read it. Uh, He says, thank you very much for posting this episode. I was looking everywhere for stuff like this. It is great and a deep explanation of important aspects of security. I wonder also about claims principle and its use in session management. Hmm. And I know that it's the default one for session management, ASP.NET 4.5, and of course, it's claims-based. I wonder, do you know how to deal with the older technologies like classic ASP? Is it possible to use a new way of claims-based session management in it? Is it possible to expose new claims-based security in COM? I know that OAuth 2.0 implementation of .NET is possible to cooperate with classic ASP. There is even a sample using it. I wonder if it's also possible to use it for session management as well. Huh, Uh, Peter, I don't know the answer for sure for this, but I'm going to guess no, because it's really hard. The session management engine that's inside of ASP is dramatically different from the one that was in ASP.NET. Much more primitive. It comes from a long time ago. So I certainly, there's not going to be any, any easy way to go about this. You're going to have to write all of that code yourself. So uh, good luck to you, sir. That's very challenging stuff. Although maybe Michelle has some insight on this because she loves claim space security mm. and web development. Mm, one of the few people who does uh either way we'll check in with her in a minute but uh peter thanks so much for your email and thanks so much for listening to .NET rocks a .NET rocks mug is on its way to you and if you'd like a .NET rocks mug you can write a comment on the website at dotnet or write a comment on any of the mobile apps we've got one for iphone android and windows phone built by our fine friends at diatom enterprises and if you need a mobile app you should give them a call Absolutely.
1: And before we go any further, I need to tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online. They have hundreds of hardcore developer training courses authored by industry experts, releasing 12 to 15 new courses every month and offering a 10-day free trial with 200 minutes of access. Pluralsight offers a wide range of topics, including iOS, Java, Android, web development, pretty much anything you can think of on the Microsoft stack, including many courses on Windows Azure. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And with that, let us welcome back to the show our good friend, Michelle Rubustamonte. She is managing partner at Salience at salience.net and founder of Snapboard, snapboard snapboard.com, which is a tool for organizing and sharing content on the subjects that matter to you most. She's also a Microsoft Regional Director and a Microsoft MVP, with over 20 years specializing in scalable and secure end-to-end system design, identity and access management, and cloud computing technologies for companies of all sizes. Michelle shares her experiences through presentations and keynotes all over the world and has been publishing regularly in technology journals her entire career. Michelle wrote the best-selling book, Learning WCF, with O'Reilly in 2007, she blogs at michellelarubustamante.com and tweets at Michelle Busta. That's 1-L-M-I-C-H-E-L-E-B-U-S-T-A. Welcome back, Michelle. Hey there. Hey, and I should probably do the disclaimer now that uh, it is a tradition on .NET Rocks when Michelle is on the show to end the show with a dirty joke. Or so, uh, two. So I don't know if you have anything today, but I should put that disclaimer right up front so, you know, parents with uh, their kids in the car can turn it off right now. No, later.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are these shows allowed to be watched with kids in the car? Really? Because oh, oh yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> do they? Yeah. Do we bleep?
1: Well, we bleep, but we try not to use curse words at all. But if, you know, okay. for, sometimes you can't help it, you know, like when we're talking right. about Adobe, for example. Good one. (laughs) I see what you're
2: saying. And you're right. We should be polite. And therefore, we will try to be very polite until the very end of the show. Until the very end of the show. We will try our best.
0: I'm still trying to get my head around this whole 20 years thing. What? Did you start playing with computers when you were nine?
2: (laughs) About that. Yes, and thank you for calling that out. Yes. <laughs> he's a my charmer. My age is my age is now going backwards, not forward. We we made that decision nice. in our household and that's what we're sticking with. <laughs> it basically started with my son's birth and now we go backwards, you see? Right. So at some point nice. I'll be younger than nice. him. That's okay, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Ah, absolutely. He's going to be
2: he's going to be 5 in a week.
0: Uh, wow.
2: Right? Well, Isn't that we, And awesome? we were all
0: at TechEd US in Orlando when he was being born, which was a tough time for you. Mm. It's pretty I scary. had to
2: miss TechEd for that. That was, you know. No, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Damn family.
2: <laughs> Do you want to know a funny, a funny story? Damn, it's it's is, bad um, scheduling. My, um, my business partner, Zoiner at Alliance, uh, one of my business partners, right? He He and I were working on a project together when I – when I decided to have my son And uh, I was like calling him From the hospital going, okay Listen, uh, I think I'm going in now And we're going to have a cesarean, And I'll probably be done in a few hours I'll give you a call and let you know <laughs> 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 He actually ta- he taped The message and he sent it to me By email later, he's like I could not believe what you were saying Michelle, Like seriously, you're working. about to have a baby <laughs> Stop working
0: <laughs> yeah, It's alright so, You need to pay attention so to something else
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, that was forced upon me anyway, right? So, it's a good oh. thing. Actually, ch- children have a great way of giving you work-life balance. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, they do. Yeah.
2: Or at least, well, let's call yeah. it more balance, right? I mean, I suppose balance is relative to somebody's uh, you know, view of that, but yeah. for me, at least, mm. it seemed to do so. So, that's good.
0: Hey, you know, we've never talked about salience in the show ever. So no. Because this is a, a fairly recent thing for you, isn't it?
2: Well so so I mean most people know me to have been doing consulting for the last, you know, 12 years anyways with um sure. with i design and with also Brian noise and you know essentially uh I started sort of heading into startup land in 2009 and was doing a lot of that and a little bit less consulting and then you know through sort of evolution I guess naturally um You know, I just sort of felt like it was time to build something that, you know, I like to build product, right? I like to build things end to end and see see the finish. So not just necessarily architecture, but also, you know, giving people a complete solution. And so we just decided to startups alliance and build this um, alliance, really. Therefore, the name of of people that can help us help customers complete big projects. So that if they only need architecture, we can provide them that. But if they, you know. Need sort of end to end development, even on the business side, even startups. Right? We have a, um, a a penchant for working with startups, which we can get to in a little bit. But you know, the idea being we can bring together all of the best resources because we know so many people now that provide great quality. Work, you know that it seems like we should be able to go under one umbrella. It's so much easier for for a business to hire one company and have one invoicing path, and then we can just sort of handle the rest of the logistics to bring in the right people. So we do that,
1: and we should spell alliance s o l l i a n c e. Just because you right. know these words uh, on the web have their own uh, grammar and spelling rules. Of Very course. true. And yeah. it's
2: also .net not .com cuz we're not a solar company.
1: That's right. Is a sol is com mm, right. a solar company?
2: It is. Oh, it wow. is. Yeah, but you know how hard it is to to build, you know, to come up with company names these days, oh, right? Yeah. There's no trademark on it. It just happens to be a solar company. So I happen
1: to have lucked out with Pwop.com, but I got the uh I got the the URL, you know, the domain name a long time ago when you could actually get four letter domain names.
0: I have a three-letter domain name, guh, but I got that forever ago. Guh? Guh, G-U-H. guh. That's you're it.
2: kidding me. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> All right, Michelle, yeah. please wait to tell the dirty joke till the end of the show, because I know you're just dying to tell the joke I'm, here. But... <laughs> I'm really
2: going to – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refrain, and I'm also going to tell you about a poster I bought, but even that needs a sensory, so we're going to have to wait. All Censorship. right, we'll wait. We'll wait. So, um, talking about domain names though, you know, did you know like most two letter domains you can't get for anything less than like $2,500? And there's a whole history behind how uh, we came to name Snapboard, which had something to do with me purchasing a domain before its time. But um, huh. it's, it's near to impossible. I mean, I have if I told you how many hours in the past three years I've spent with various businesses trying to come up with names, it's such a waste, right? I could have right. had like 20 manicures, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what's important. So let's talk about the startup experience in 2013. When you say startup to people, images of the dot-com boom, you know, oh, that's so, you know, that's so 2000 or whatever. But, um, you know, really, this is sort of the future of business in the world is working for the man is just becoming more and more rare. And, uh, you know, I see this, I see kids coming out of college where they're still preparing for industrial revolution jobs you know where you go to a cubicle and you and everybody knows that those are the jobs that are dying the fastest like Mm
2: -hmm. you know I do think that there are different types of people though Um, I have some people that I have known for years that I really really respect who are happy to work for an organization take home a paycheck and be off every weekend and they work hard but they don't have to sort of, if you will, uh, put in those extra evenings and weekends um, to achieve the goal and do a good job and be respected at their business. And, you know, that's that's a quality of life sort of focus. And it doesn't mean the person lacks ambition in any way. It just means that they've made a, a choice. I'm going to make this priority. Um, and then there are the people that just just are dying to sort of, you know, just continue to learn and grow and do and I think a lot of us fit into that you know category and sometimes don't know when to stop right and then there's this other breed which is you know when you're you know in your 20s and you're out of school or maybe haven't even gone to college yet um, if you are a person that is sort of absorbed into the startup community in any way shape or form man that space is just so enticing it's alluring it it It's exciting. It makes you realize, I have at my fingertips with this keyboard and this computer the power to create and possibly make money off of what comes out of this. Why do I want to wait another four years to start that, right? Mm. And they just dive in. Because they've learned how, probably by getting immersed in the space of startups which means either listening to what vcs have to say on the community right watching silicon valley reading about all of these other young startups that are flourishing going to kickstarter there's so many areas you can go and watch and when you start following these people on twitter and reading their blogs it's alluring it yeah. there's no other word for it
0: yeah it well, is well and it's gone so far as that uh, peter thiel who's who's one of the PayPal guys, you know, way that they, he's, they call him part of the PayPal mafia, is actually got a fund to pay young people to not go to college, but to get involved with startups. Isn't that funny? hmm
2: Well, and then they've got, like, Dave McClure has that 500 startups, right, where they go all around the world, mm-hmm. and, and they, they invite companies, and, and, I mean, they fund. But it's very T- little.
1: Tell me more about that. What was that
2: one? Dave McClure, he, he's got this, um, um, he's got 500 startups. If you follow him on Twitter, it's at 500 startups. Um, they're, they're basically one of a few organizations that give boots, you know, they give bootstrapping to startups that win, but you have to go and apply. You have to get in it's sort of like Y Combinator, but a different flavor of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you, you know, reach, the the end evaluation and sort of pass the tests along the way, then you can get some funding. But the amount of funding that you get is not significant. For somebody like you or I to give up our quote-unquote day jobs to go do that, we're not going to nearly cover our salaries with that. Like, what, not even one year of one of us. But it's, it's incredibly alluring for people that are willing to take the risk and just need a little bit of funds, not necessarily to cover salaries, but to cover the costs of doing business, you know, hiring people to do the things you don't know how to do, like legal or um, business plans, or, um, you know, maybe some design work or something like that.
0: Which sort of speaks to, you know, startups as a young person's game. If you have a mortgage and a spouse and some kids It's pretty hard to live on the kind of money that startups really represent. You're, you're cutting back your salary for the potential upside in the future with some ownership.
2: Yeah, this is a very, very important topic, right? Because, you know, um, usually the people that are in their thirties and forties that do startups have already had an exit of some sort that is enabling them to work without salary and take the risk on their dream. And, that's great. Um, other people, maybe they didn't have an exit, but they can afford to take a risk on their dream because they can afford to go a certain amount of time mm. without, you know, an income. Um, but yeah, you right. have
0: a spouse with an income or right. some other way to, to cover the cost because the, I mean, the reality is startup money is small and work mm-hmm. hours are long and mm-hmm. you don't make a living from a startup. You survive a startup to, with the potential of a big win.
2: You may not see the payout for three to five years and, you know, you really have to ask yourself, should we bootstrap and build the product and listen to the customers and start getting money slowly till we can pay salaries and then sort of move towards that that idea of, okay, now we can start, you know, people leaving their jobs or or even just hiring other people to do the day-to-day work if you don't want to do that um versus you know taking that risk and 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 realizing that you you may never get that money back you have to factor in not only the lost salary for those years but the fact that the exit has to cover that and more to make right. all that pain worthwhile unless you are extremely passionate about what you're building and it has other points of interest to you like you know you're you're helping other countries you know with water issues or food or you know like just something that you're passionate about doesn't have to be I suppose sure. uh, altruistic but something you're extremely passionate about that makes it worth it
0: well yeah it's a whole thing right three to five years later of a, of a very small salary and scraping by you may get nothing it may fail you know you may get a marginal buyout that just leaves you with with nothing.
2: Mm-hmm. You may. That's true. So you have to love it. You have to really love it and really believe in it. And and like I said, there's nothing wrong with building a business too. Uh, I've been part of many businesses that were not funded or helped many businesses that were not funded and just got off the ground organically. But you know, it's a two year push to get a company from zero to have product to actually have customers now paying me money.
1: I also mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of think that there's a there's a rel- almost a, like an unbelief in what happens when you succeed, you know. And there's a lot of people that aren't prepared for that, right? You know, so thinking through the success story as well as the exit strategy, like what that is. But but what happens if holy crap, this takes off? Am I prepared to you know leave my job, whatever, and live in that gray area of you know semi success for a while? Mm -hmm. That's got to be a difficult thing to face.
2: I think it's more difficult for people at our stage in life than it is for people, you know, that are getting started. You know, had I uh, been in startup mode, not working for startups, which I did in my 20s, but actually building my own, had I been able to do that or fortunate enough to have that path, things could be very different right because then I could have given up a lot then I could have worked for you know 30 grand a year or whatever
1: yeah so I mean when in the process do you actually take the risk and make the jump that's you know it's got it's got to pay the bills and at the same Mm -hmm. time you have to be able to put enough time into it so that you can make it worthwhile
2: Mm -hmm. yep
1: I mean I know the last time we spoke about this we, we just heard how amazingly cheap it is to get your foot in the door with, you know, with a web-based startup with, uh, right. with Azure. And uh, that certainly does take a lot of the pressure off. I mean, if you, can, if you have another income sort of paying your bills and, you, you know, your, your startup costs are, are going to be pretty damn close to nothing.
2: This is true, yeah. Aside from salaries, startup costs can be next to nothing. Um, If you look at the, and we've talked about this before, the BizSpark programs that exist with with Microsoft, if you don't have an income and if you're making less than a million a year, which I would presume a startup is, then you can qualify for… BizSpark Plus, you can try to get into the BizSpark Plus program, which gives you something like $60,000 of paid Azure for the year, which is plenty if you're just talking about a couple of servers, maybe some services, maybe some data storage. Yeah. Um, it's plenty, and it's plenty to sort of take the load off where you're not scared of Misjudging how much you're using because that's a big fear that people have. Right? Is okay, I put it in the cloud, but you're not telling me how much it really costs for data transfer, and you know it's not a fixed cost; it's a transactional cost. How do I estimate all that? The pricing considerations are are immense and and frightening, especially if you're going to store media and now you're talking about streaming media from blob storage. Um, and and i've done some some pretty you know significant work on pricing spreadsheets for various startups and i have a link to that on on um on my snapboard actually if you go to snapboard.com um whack michelle Busta, um i have a snapboard on windows azure that has a pricing folder and the idea is you know to figure out where is the biggest cost for your service yeah. and in my evaluation sort of taking a mix match of various services, because I was trying to give people a reusable spreadsheet that they could at least start from. It really comes down to bandwidth, because everything else, you know, is sort of predictable, more or less. Data is not expensive. Storage is not expensive. Um, hosting your couple machines, or if you know you need four machines because you have multiple tiers or something like that. Uh, although I would argue most people could probably start with two small servers, um, and then grow from there as needed, Uh, your costs are pretty predictable and and pretty low. And so it really comes down to how are people using your system and what kind of data is transferring back and forth as they use it?
0: Well, and what you're afraid of here is that surprise bill, right? One day, the 50,000 bill shows up.
2: Right, right. And I've had surprise bills with Azure. Not only because I do so much for presentations and trials for customers where I'll just put something in the cloud to play with it. Sometimes I'll forget to shut it down, which is really dumb, but it just happens. And the right. surprise is not, you know, hundreds of dollars, right? It's like, you know, 30 bucks or 10 bucks, but it's still a surprise and it's my own fault sure. at that point. <laughs> so, um and that's with the free hours that I have using MSDN, obviously.
1: How much attention do you think people need to pay to business skills, like uh, writing a business plan and that kind of stuff? Is it, if you're a good writer, can you just go to like a legal Zoom or something like that and get a business plan together? Or do you actually need, would you recommend taking classes on business?
2: Well, number one, what is a business plan? Because back in the day, a business plan was pages and pages of, you know, documentation about your plans and what you were going to do and all that. And today, a business plan is a slideshow (laughs) that really hones in with 20 slides or less on the mission of your business. And there's a whole sort of uh, equation for how you should lay that out if you're going to go talk to, you know, people with money. Um, Really, it comes down
1: to a PowerPoint presentation.
2: It really does. And huh. then to back it, you you usually, at some point when someone's interested in you, they're going to say, show me a three-year pro forma. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they'll say, give me a three to five-year exit plan, right? Because investors are looking for an exit, but not too soon. And not too late. Usually they want to turn around in three to five years, right? So they want to know what's your strategy. They want to know that you've thought about the thing I'm building could be acquired by so-and-so. Right. But no, I'm not going to sell in one year and get you nothing. I'm going to build it to a point and then we'll consider that. Hmm. But most companies don't, you know, it's it's not a bad plan to say I'm going to IPO myself. But you just can't know that. All you can do is speculate.
0: Yeah. Well, and there's a big threshold difference between three years as a startup getting acquired as a relatively small company with a small team, going to one of the bigger players, and an IPO. And you know, if you want to IPO on NASDAQ, you need in you need sales into to the tune of sixty million dollars. Like that's a different creature. That's a company of several hundred employees and a big going concern. Right. And both of you guys have a lot to to talk
1: about with that but but first uh Richard you know what time it is? Oh, it must be that happy time again. You got it. It's time to beg my wife to stop bootstrapping my snapboard. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love man. you, Carl. I love a good snapboard joke. It makes me happy. <laughs> you know what? You too, I I'm not even going to say it. Nope, not going
0: to say it. <laughs> <laughs> you just, <laughs> just saved those all up for the end, Michelle. There's going to be a collection of them. Just write it down. We'll be back. I'm oh oh man, I'm back. I'm holding
2: back all big right, time. All right, hold back, hold back,
1: because really it's time to give away a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection to a lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Before I tell you about that, did you know Telerik was one of the first vendors to provide support for Windows Azure back in early '09? when the cloud platform was first released as Cloud Trust Protocol. And Telerik now offers everything needed to help .NET developers build quality web, desktop, and Windows phone apps for the cloud quickly and easily out of the box. Check out Telerik.com slash Azure and take the shortcut to Windows Azure development. And don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. So here's our winner this week, Carl. Yeah, Mark Sayowich from Guelph, Ontario. Golf clap oh, for Oh, awesome.
0: Arturia winner.
1: Golf clap for you using my hand clappers. You know? Awesome. Cheap sound effect. And uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, go to dot click on the big Get Free Stuff button, and answer a few questions. We have thousands of members of the .NET Rocks fan club. Every show, we give away a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection, one lucky member. And every December, we give away five grand worth of technology to one lucky member of the fan club but you got to be a member to win
0: just ask rod corbett our winner in december 2012 he's out of ottawa ontario won himself an awesome win eight and connect touch development environment we put it together custom it was built locally and he's been using it ever since
1: yeah, and he, uh, he had some some issues with it and apparently got uh, some parts replaced, so that's why he hasn't given us pictures. But I, I think pictures are coming, right? He said recently pictures are on the way.
0: Well, I asked him for pictures when we first got it. Now he's had a, he's had a couple of problems with it. And, you know, we did it right. We worked through a particular vendor, so we were able to get him a warranty. So when something broke, it all got replaced. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to getting those photos. So, Michelle, I know we asked
1: you before, but uh, maybe something has changed since then. If you had five grand to spend on technology, what would you buy?
2: Oh, you have asked me this before. Hmm. Today, I would probably buy a new headset for my uh, computer <laughs> 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 that doesn't squeeze the crap out of my head when I'm talking to you. That would oh. be one buy, but that's like 500 bucks, right? For yeah. a Really, really good one. So, I've still got lots of money left over. I'd get a tablet because I don't have one. I've got two Macs and iPads and all those things, but I don't have a tablet yet.
1: Wow. So, wait a minute. You ha- so, you, you want an RT Pro tablet? I do. Yeah.
2: I want to play with that now nice. that it's sort of evolving and I've been working with Windows 8 finally. Do you know I did not build a Windows 8 machine until like a couple of weeks ago, which was extremely painful for me because um, I was in a hurry to do it because you want to know what drove me to build a Windows 8 machine? What's that? Get ready to laugh. I couldn't get my sequel to install and run properly on Windows 7. Wow. So I was forced <laughs> to build a Windows 8 box so that I could get... A damn MySQL running that I could test with. Irony.
0: Because, I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, total irony. MySQL
0: runs on Raspberry Pi. I think I have a. <laughs> I, I I think I have a watch that'll run MySQL. What's right? going on?
2: <laughs> I don't know. But I built three Windows Seven VMs because I had all of these you know fresh VMs that I could start from. First, I tried one that exists and another that exists. Then I created a new one from the base template. None of them worked. Installed Windows Eight. Boom. Done. The hardest part of that was me figuring out where to find all the stuff in yeah. Windows 8. That was really hard. Right. I actually I started drive, blogging about it. Nice. I have I have the first of several blogs on you know surviving starting Windows 8. The only problem is everyone else did it like a year ago. So <laughs> I don't know if I'm helping too many people now, but I'm sure there's got to be more people like me out there somewhere. Sure. I'm just I'm just really in, in busy. The end,
0: I- I really do buy into Scott Hanselman's whole, your blog is notes to you. If other people want yeah, to read them, that's awesome.
2: Totally agree. Totally agree. And uh, I don't do it enough, often enough.
1: Hey, so I want to talk a little bit about Soliance and specifically what you are doing with the startup community. Because this isn't just a, a regular kind of um, consulting company, is it?
2: No, so... So Zoiner and I both and, and I mean Brian, and I include in this, but in particular, we we both have built um, you know, our own startups. I've I've worked on several in the past few years. One of them was acquired, one didn't get off the ground, the other one is Snapboard, uh, which is active. And I have uh and Zoiner also had a, a startup several years back called Privacy Central, but before that was involved in several other businesses. And we're just both really passionate about the startup community and i guess a little bit frustrated with the flaws and the, and among the flaws are exactly what we already talked about which is the fact that it is a young man's game and yet those are the people that don't have the experience you know why shouldn't a startup have a seasoned architect somebody who knows you know, the lay of the land for choosing technologies and heading in the right direction. Um, you know, the reality is most VCs don't care if the software is crap as long as it runs and it gets bodies on it and it shows traction because you can fix that later. And I agree to that to some extent. But I also think that um, they can flail a lot and make some really bad decisions. Yeah. And you can avoid that with just the participation of somebody that has experience. And you don't have to necessarily pay that in money. So, you know, really, Zoyner came up with, uh, I mean, our, our whole plan is around startups as a service. And the idea is right. to give sort of turnkey support to startups for various things. Um, and one of the things that, you know, Zorner came up with was this concept of, look, you know, we can contribute, all of us have some pair of spare cycles, or we can find them. And we can, in our network, find people to contribute a certain amount of time for equity. And instead of, you know, companies giving up 20% to try to get money from a VC to do those things, they could, you know, give up some amount and have the participation of some experts to really help them along their way and that's you know contribution of intellectual property uh, from us to them but it's also um, other supports like just the lay of the land getting your slide deck ready for presentation um, getting your pro forma done on the business side um, what are the tools that you can use to be effective in your startup just mm. that kind of thing so we're trying to be supportive to the community because we're fans ourselves and we've been through a lot on that side ourselves
0: yes yeah, wow. well it's, and in the end the thing that a startup has to trade is equity right is right. a stake in the potential win of the company if you're willing to make that bet with them
2: Well, and, and here's the thing. It is a bet. So we're not doing it with every startup, right? I mean, we also, just like a VC have to decide, is this a business I believe in enough that I will put my time in to contribute to their success? And as long term, you know, advisor slash participant slash equity holder. Um, so, we we have to be careful and we're not going to just throw that around and have, you know, hundreds of them. We are, you know, still right now a small team, but we have now four um, companies that we're doing a little bit of that for, which is really great. And by the way, Microsoft is very supportive of this as well. So, I think that that you, this is great. When you put it
1: in the perspective of, you know, would you like to to give up a little percentage versus just sort of pay for, you know, some some assistance, it really does make a lot of sense, especially if you're, you know, people like who listen to the show, they they're technically savvy, they have all, you know, a a lot of knowledge but not specifically for for the kinds of things with the experience that you guys have.
2: You know what there's nothing more rewarding than taking and and by by no means am I an expert navigating all of the sort of mess of the VC community and so on. I've met some really nice VCs that were very, very helpful to me and gave me great advice. And I think that that's fortunate. Um, there are some great VCs local to me too, like uh, Mark Suster, who has a great blog. Um, and we can put that link up on the site, but uh, that, that really talks through a lot of the business aspects and some decision-making. But at the end of the day, until you do it yourself or have someone that's actually just done it, you know, pull together the slides and the Performa and, and go meet the people. There's really, it's, you have to find a mentor somewhere, you know, that can help you navigate that process. And that doesn't mean there won't be new challenges or other things that maybe I haven't seen before, but um, gosh, I just wish I had had that mentor. You know, I kind of did it all myself, right? With, with the help of my team, but not necessarily having been there, done that.
0: Yeah, and the finance side of a business is at least as complicated as the technical side. And the mm-hmm. marketing too. I think it's one of the diseases we have as tech people is we think we're working on the hardest problem and it's, you know, all these problems are hard.
2: Right. No, it's true. Yeah. Coming up with projections. How much will we make? What should we price our system for? How much will our, our hosting costs be? Those are really interesting problems to solve. But if, you know, if you're doing it for the first time, that could literally be months of work iterating, talking you know, letting it sort of sink in, trying some things out with some VCs or other people, customers, and realizing, oh, that's not going to work. I need to go back to the drawing table. So having a mentor through that process, I I just think it's it it makes me feel really good to give that support to people, having been through it myself. I I think it's awesome.
0: You know, I'd also say, like, competitive analysis is a big part of that job. And the guys I've met, that were really good at doing competitive analysis are easily as intelligent as any senior tech guy you've ever met. Like, just because they ch- didn't choose to do software development doesn't mean they're dumb. There are some very, very smart people that work in these other areas that are equally as important to the success of a startup. Mm-hmm.
2: No, absolutely. You have to know your competition. You have to know whether or not you're offering something. You know, actually there was a really, really interesting marketing book that I, I read and it was a small, small book and it's called the 22 immutable laws of marketing. Yeah. And nice. that, I don't know if you've read that book, but I found that book to be really helpful sort of educating my tech brain at least in some respect toward how do i look at our business you know uh, are we a new category are we a variation on an existing category you have to have a market position in mind and 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 really be careful how you promote yourself because if you if you're not careful you're going to be positioned against somebody who's bigger competition than you and you'll never gain traction right so that right. focus of who is your customer and what is it you're bringing to the table that's different or new Mm. is really really important and and that book was such a great short read, you know, that that I could manage in my schedule. Um that I would recommend that to anybody who's sort of trying to get their tech brain around the 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 marketing side and the and the value prop of your business, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I read a synopsis of it and it looks great. So Carl. Yeah, Richard. You ever embed Excel into an application? Ugh. You know, that's right up there with sticking ice picks in my ears. Nice. Because your end users have to have the right version of Office and all that stuff. Yeah. And it has that extra layer of dependency. What I want is just a way to take all that Excel goodness and plop it right into my .NET
0: application. Well, you reminded me of Farpoint Spread from the old days.
1: Yeah, 20 years ago I used Farpoint Spread. But now, of course, it's component1spread.net. And now, you know, they have this version that's both for ASP.net and for Windows Forms in one package. Nice. Yeah, it's two different controls, obviously, but it's in one package, so... You bought one, you bought the
0: other. Right. Spread.net from component1. Smarter components for smarter developers.
1: So tell us about Accelerator HK. What is it?
2: So Accelerator HK is based out of Hong Kong, therefore the HK, and, and it's a incubator for, uh, mentoring startups. And then, of course, there are, you know, winners at the end, I guess, through evaluation and demo day. Uh, and the winner, I guess, receives a, a, prize of money, right, and support. Um, And I know, Richard, you've been involved in it before. This is my first time going, so I probably still have a few things to learn about what they actually offer to all the teams, but I'm going as a mentor this year, along with other people like, I think you, Richard, and um, Aaron Sconard from Pearl Sites going, I think, and some others. And the goal is to go spend a week and, and talk to the various startups that are you know, engaged in the program and give them advice and help them, whether it be tech side or positioning side, or even help them with presentation for demo day, depending on the phase that they're in when you go. So it, I look at it as an opportunity to give back and an opportunity to um, probably learn some things too, right? I mean, from how other startups are doing things while I'm trying to help them as well.
0: Yeah. It's very inspirational to sit down with each of these teams and see where they're at and and what they're working on, what they're excited about. Like you, you'll come away really jazzed, but it's I think it's also easy to forget all of the lessons you've learned doing these projects over the years. That knowledge you just take for granted. That when you hear them talk, you're like, oh you don't know about this well here let me tell you have you thought about this problem or have you thought about this problem and you, you help give them some insight on some of the subtleties around technology or market space or you know any number of things that you you know you've had experience with doing your own startup that they're hmm. just getting to now hmm.
2: Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really, this is more the type of startup where they may not have assembled a big team even yet. It might just be one or two people who literally, you know, they haven't gone for funding. They have just started their idea. They're trying to actually, you know, get their initial idea to a point they can actually demo and present the concept and the business right so it's it's literally grassroots for each of them right it's it's much different than let's say you had an idea brewing for years and years you already assembled a team you knew exactly what you wanted to build the features are already in a list in your head and you know like that's another path sometimes that happens right if you've been around for a while.
0: Well, and, yeah, I mean, we've done startup for a few years before these incubators existed, and you had to go out and either invest your own money or find mm-hmm. an angel investor, an early adopter who's going to take a bet way at the beginning and and not only provide some initial cash, but provide that expertise to right. help you get off the ground. Today, those angels are pretty rare. And so incubators like Accelerator HK have sprung up as places for, for really – You know, early stage startups where you just have an idea and very little else to get access to some resources to certainly learn sort of key techniques around how to get going and ultimately get access to money as well. Because not only is there a prize at the end of a of a cohort like Accelerator HK for the guys who come out on top, but they get a chance to talk to a bunch of investors and talk to some folks that uh, that might want to invest uh, either time or money.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, it, there, there is some interesting things about this, though. Like, um, there are a lot of incubators. Uh, I have not been, you know, for the record, through an incubator. I know people that have, though. Uh, I also know people that have gone through Kickstarter and I also know people that have gone through Techstars. And, sure. you know, I, I will say this. They are, you know, definitely valuable if you can drop everything, go participate. Give your full time effort as as part of that. You're not getting paid, obviously, so you have to be able to not work and focus only on this. It's going to fast track your business because you're focusing, and you're being given mentoring while you focus. But it means you have to be a type of business that can do that. Which means, you know, you again, you either don't need to work, or you're young enough you can live off very little, or you know, live in your car or whatever it is you do. Um,
0: a and band then you,
2: down by the yeah, river. right right like jewel before she became famous right so yeah. so so that's all great and and i think that it really is inspiring especially for young folks that can do it i actually also know some you know late 30 something people that went through tech stars and they could do it because guess what they had an exit in a previous company right so mm-hmm. they've had you know, stashed away some cash, and they were already a year and a half in working without a salary, committed to their new business idea. Um, and if you got cash behind you, you can do that. And then Techstars is hugely valuable, because you're going through this program, you're getting mentored, you have to present, they're going to be critiquing you, they're going to help you get to the next stage and get your funding. And of course, the presumption is that once you get the funding, you are going to be able to live on very little, salary and continue that forward for who knows how many years, right, before you can actually draw a proper salary. So, it's not just, hey, let's do this for six months and then, you know, get some money and I'll get a full-time salary. It's, hey, let's do this for six months and then let's get very little extra money to continue but get the money that we need into the business to support hiring more staff for, for cheap and hire a lot of cheap resources and keep it tight. So, When you take money from people, you have an immense responsibility. You need to be full-time and dedicated while not drawing the salary, and you have to be prepared to do that, or else if you need to work on the side, and this is where you know I look at it as, it's my fault if I take money from somebody and I'm actually juggling consulting and the startup, because then if it didn't succeed, one could look at me and say, oh, you didn't put in full-time. And they'd be right. So can I legitimately take someone's money without the understanding that I would still have to consult? No, I can't, right? I have to find somebody that's okay with that. Um, so I think there's, there's, there's some truth to just being you know, aware of of the whole plan, not just this year and get the excitement of the first six months or the first year, but like it's a three-year plan, right? Yeah. Um, and I also would say this, you know, I know a company that went through um, Techstars, well, I know a few, but one in particular that came out with a complete change to their plan. They thought they were going to build X and now they're building Y. And I thought X was really cool. And I don't really understand why, and so, I think another risk going through these programs um, is, you know, I'm just one person and I, maybe a few other people agree with me on that particular situation, but um, you got to be careful you don't just take everything they tell you there and do it because, you know, they could be wrong too. You got to find customers that are willing to pay. That's where the sweet spot is. Who is your customer? What will they be willing to pay? How bad do they need it? And if you can't get people to come in and actually pay for your service, maybe they don't need it bad enough and you can still go ahead and build it if you want, but you better find people that will either use it for free in mass and therefore later build money into it or will pay up front because they need it that bad.
0: Well, and this is one of the things I think is so awesome about Kickstarter and Indiegogo is that... You're getting your customers to commit to money to buy the product before you start. Mm-hmm. Like that's totally awesome.
2: It is, but but Kickstarter is definitely geared more toward. Uh, I have a friend building uh, a device centric product, so at the end of that, people are paying money to get a. A physical thing in their hand it's harder to do that for a SaaS product because Mm -hmm. you know what are you going to say like here you know donate a hundred dollars for your first year of use of my product when it's ready like it's just it's not as tangible right it needs to be a thing or there's people doing kickstarter for like you know help me produce this movie right and that's different because it's like you're helping me produce a thing that at the end you're going to enjoy right it's different than software sales you know what i mean
1: well, Michelle, I know you know somebody, and I know somebody whose kid went through a startup process, Richard Campbell.
0: So tell the story of the, the comic, Alex's comic. Yeah, and I, I might as well pitch the comic. So, uh, my older daughter, Alex, uh, had been drawing a web comic for a couple of years. And uh, page a week kind of thing. And once they got their first story finished, they wanted to get a book printed. And so they went to Indiegogo and they made a video basically talking about... She's got a partner who's the writer. She's the the artist. She drew the comic. And uh, the two of them together made a video talking about the comic and their goal... To, uh, to get a bunch of books printed. Because, it you know, there's you can't get one book printed. It's sort of like the minimum is 500 copies. And that's, you know, thousands of dollars. So they um, they came, you know, the, this whole model is really interesting. So what they did was they came up with, if you can donate $5, we'll send you a PDF of the book with all the corrections. If you donate $25, we'll send you a copy of the book. And then there was other options when you went up from there. They, they came up with ideas like, they had a, we'll give you a t-shirt with the book or a tote bag or some keychain fobs. There's a bunch of different options progressively up, you know, $100, $200 packages, uh, which is th- that's what's so cool about this. So in the end, you get to pre-order the book, and if they can raise enough money, then they can get it printed. And if they can't raise enough money, you get your money back. Hmm. So their goal was $6,000 to get 500 books printed, and, uh, and they killed it. They raised $9,000. So when they hit that 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 six thousand dollar mark, they kind of freaked out. You know, there was a celebration in my house. But then they created stretch goals. They said, okay, well if we can get to seven thousand dollars, we'll give you this extra character print. And then it was, if you can get to eight thousand dollars, we'll give you this little uh, Chotsky that, in your package. And then they ultimately got to nine thousand dollars. So they got seven hundred fifty books printed. And in the process of doing the Indiegogo, I think they sold two hundred and fifty of those books. So in the end, everything done. They had delivered 250 books to people who wanted them and all these other fun things and had 500 books left in their inventory that were paid for Mm. before they had spent any money. It's crazy. It just, I I mean, I don't know. It's not really a startup per se, but it's this, there's a small business sort of opportunity there. But I just think it's really interesting. This idea of customers are willing to pre pray for your product. If you can put the story together the right way.
1: Well, and it is sort of a startup because it's a it's a comic, and comics, you know, that's a career if people like your comic, you know. Yeah. Uh, the, you, that can be, and so now she's getting involved in going to trade shows and uh, selling merchandise there. I mean, that could be a, a career. You never know.
2: No, I th- I thought that was a great story when you told me, Richard, because it, it's it's exactly what any startup really or any business with a new product idea needs to do. Find the customer who's willing to pay for the thing you're doing. Right. And if they're not willing to pay for what you presented, find out what their pain point is. Maybe something similar, something kind of like what you were thinking is what will work. And and the best way to find that out is to just talk to them about the pain point in the area. In, in your case, it was more of a, you know, it's not a pain point. I don't have to have the comic or I'll die. But I'm interested because it's cool, right? Yeah. So... Therefore, I'm willing to pay for that. So that's more commodity. Um, but the same thing goes for product, right? How bad do I want that? Find the customer. You find the customer, you find where you need to go. And, and it's a really fun strategy game.
0: When well, I do think it's one of the things that these incubators are really helping new startups with is really prosecuting the idea of who is your customer? Who, you know, what is the real product here? What is the full potential of what you're doing? You know, I I think it's an. You could probably combine the two. You go through an incubator process that helps you really validate the customer model, and then you run a Kickstarter to see if that is really the customer and if they will essentially commit to paying for your product in advance, so that you can get the sufficient funding to get off the dime without bringing in substantial investors.
2: Mm. So, on the subject of Kickstarter, you know, um, I I don't know if you've heard of this guy Fake Grimlock, but now. It, I mean, if you're in the startup space, this this character is just absolutely effing hilarious. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> he talks in capitals constantly, and he's he basically he's a caffeine fueled robot dinosaur, and he wears a dinosaur head when he goes to conferences, and he actually did a Kickstarter. <laughs> called Me Fake Grimlock, The Book of Awesome. (laughs) And it basically says, Me Fake Grimlock, make book it full of awesome words and art, get ready for reading, you know, and it's all, I have to give you the link for after the show. But the thing that's cool about this guy is a lot of the things that he writes are extremely, you know, short kind of pointed statements about how startups should operate and they're usually right you know like you need to have a minimum viable personality you know the startup is the vision be on fire or die you know right um you know you don't want to be boring be bacon bacon not boring you know like i mean (laughs) but you know but like, these are the kinds of things I've been seeing in the startup community. And I'm like, there's some really motivating people out there. So he did a whole Kickstarter, exactly sort of like what um, Alex did in the sense of, you know, help me write my book. And then there was these levels of pledges. And if you pledged more, you know, the stretch goals were around things like, uh, you know, you'll get you know, like an hour on the phone with me, or I'll do a promotional video for you with my robot dinosaur voice. I mean, <laughs> it's super, super innovative, right? So yeah. I think that will be fun for people to check out if. They are in startups, you know, just because it's 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 super fun and, oh, that's and so interesting. Cool, well, I know what I'm doing
1: tonight after dinner. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah, No, really, you'll get a kick out of it for sure.
1: Michelle, is it time to tell the
2: kids to turn it off? Oh, it might be.
1: You got one for
2: us? I I have probably one or two actually. Um, let me see here. All right, one
1: more disclaimer here. This is uh, where Michelle. Luru Monte tells her signature dirty joke at the end of every Don show she's on. Except for the live ones, I don't think.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, how about the old grandpa one? So one day little Johnny saw his grandpa smoking cigarettes and little Johnny says, Hey, grandpa, can I smoke some of your cigarettes? And grandpa says, can your penis reach your asshole? <laughs> Johnny says, no. So, Grandpa says, then you're not old enough. Oh. So, the next day, Johnny says, sees his grandpa drinking some beer, and he says, Grandpa, can I drink some of your beer? And he says, can your penis reach your asshole? No, says Johnny. <laughs> well, then you're not old enough, Grandpa replied.
1: <laughs> Got to remember so that one.
2: The next day, Johnny sees him, you know, eating cookies or something or – Actually, it was actually Johnny eating the cookies. And Grandpa says, can I have some of your cookies? And Johnny says, can your penis reach your asshole? <laughs> and Grandpa says, it most certainly can. <laughs> and little Johnny says, then go f*** yourself. These are my cookies. <laughs> 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 uh, so there's a, a, a good one-liner I came across. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Some guy is... Um, You know, gets caught by his girlfriend blowing his penis dry with an air dryer. And she says, what are you doing? And he says to her, uh, heating your dinner. But apparently it wasn't a good (laughs) answer. And with that,
1: that was another hour of .NET Rocks with a bonus. Thanks, Michelle.
2: Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Always fun to talk to you. And uh, it was uh, it's great. You know, every time we talk, we, we learn something new.
2: And every time we talk, you make me laugh. So I enjoy that.
1: <laughs> Likewise. All right. We'll see you next time on Rocks. Thanks for listening. And remember, Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 free minutes of developer training online. Pluralsight.com.